Theology Thursday Live. Today, hermeneutics, uh, we're doing biblical languages, what I thought we'd start with. So, might be some things you're not familiar with. And this is more for somebody that hasn't taken these languages in school. But, you know, you might even learn something with this. All right, so I'm going to flip this around, see how this works. All right, so this first is the Biblia Sacra. Okay, this is the most expensive book I had ever bought at the time I bought it. I can't remember how much it was. It was over $100. Um, seminary, you know, when you're in school, you got to buy what they tell you. But I was glad I did. So you open it up, and there is, see if you can see it, this Greek New Testament written in Greek. All right, that's the original language it's written in. And then you get this cool-looking stuff. That's the Hebrew. And this is on Jeremiah. Okay, Yeramayah. And if you didn't know, it's over there in Latin, I think. And then down at the bottom here, it has all these things, little footnote-looking deals. This is called the textural apparatus. And it makes no sense. Unless you have the book that tells you how to make sense of it. Which is pretty cool, because it does tell you all these different... Okay, like number five here. And... Uh, Ineptois Kersen. I don't even know what that is. Okay, but then it's like that little letter with the two and an A and an L and that funny looking letter and the I T S Y. Those are all different manuscripts that um, you may have a difference in. So sometimes there's the idea that, you know, you have all these. Uh, manuscripts out there, and some of them disagree in some places. Some of them have a different letter here or a different word there. Um, and in no place of the Bible is there any significant, well, really, is there any doctrine at stake because of what we would call textual variance, something that's a little bit different. But one of the neat things is <laughs> we've gone to a lot of trouble showing everywhere there's a difference. So if you know how to use this and you look at it, then you can look up on a particular verse and say, you know, which manuscripts may say something a little bit different, uh, have a different spelling, or they left out this part in these manuscripts, or this one manuscript has this extra word there, you know, and so um, it doesn't give you less confidence that what you have in your hands is an actual um, translation of a good copy of the Bible, but um, more confidence because they don't hide this stuff from you, and you can look and do your own research if you're um, into that kind of thing. So, anyway, again, there's also Aramaic in the um, Old Testament, and where is it? Daniel and Ezra, I think, have Aramaic in it. So, you know, here's that, and then these little, we can look later about those little dots and things and how they... Um, those are vowel pointings so that you won't forget how to pronounce these words because Hebrew doesn't really have vowels in the written language. Now, this thing here is, is a um, Hebrew-English interlinear ESV Old Testament. And people who teach this stuff say this is a cheater book, but it can help. Um, what this does is it has the Hebrew, let's see if you can see this, has the Hebrew text at the top, and you'll read from right to left. And then it has a translation beneath it. So, um, to pull thousands, talents of silver to be hands of him, with him, to strengthen. That didn't make much sense. So over here, so you have to kind of, you know, read the whole sentence. Probably I came in at the beginning. Let's go to him in the end. 19. He came, pull. So pull is a person. Pull came, king of. 
Assyria, so Pul, the king of Assyria, came against the land, Ha'eretz, and he gave. See, it's kind of cool. So even if you if you can read it a little bit, and it's not as hard as you might think, um, at least learning the letters, then it has the English beneath it, but it's in the word order. So that's kind of neat. And then over here it has the actual um, English translation in the ESV. So that's a neat thing. Now, that's um, Hebrew English. Then you can get these... This is an English-Greek reverse interlinear. Now, what a reverse interlinear does is it actually has the English at the top in the English word order. So Pilate entered his headquarters again, and then beneath it, it has the, the Greek word. And you see a little number? It has that little O-U-N, O-U-V-looking thing. That, too, means that's the second word in the sentence. And so where's that first word? There it is. Um, entered. So if you wanted to know the word order and you were that worried about it or you know interested in it, then you can say entered, therefore, you know, so entered, and so you find number three. But if you're really concerned about word order, you don't use reverse interlinear. This is good if you want to try to remember your Greek a little bit. So when you're reading the English, you can see the Greek word below it. Okay, it's just a little helper thing. That you might not realize. Now, here's the thing. If you're a student of Greek at all, this is the best thing. Here's the cool thing about learning how to read biblical Greek or biblical Hebrew is there's only you only have to learn how to read it. You don't have to learn how to hear it. You don't have to really learn how to speak it. You just have to read it. Now, that being the case, the number of words you have to learn are limited. So this is a list of all the words occurring, occurring more than 500 times in the New Testament, and they're in alphabetical order. So that word there is anthropos, and they're like, it means man. It's where we get the word anthropology from. Now, a cool thing about Greek is we get a lot of our words from Greek, so it's very helpful. But if you can memorize, if you learn how to read Greek, and you memorize those words, that right here is, whoop, 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 down at the bottom. The third one up is ego, ami. See those two words, I, I am. So Jesus says, ego, ami, ego, ami, I, I am. So you get these words. So it's that many words. So if you memorize these words and definitions, you know words that appear more than 500 times in the Bible. So then it just goes down to less and less. So that was a really cool way of learning this stuff. Then you get these things. This is a um, theological dictionary of the New Testament. Um, you get a theological new dictionary of the Old Testament, too. This is in, I don't know how many volumes. There's a whole bunch of them down there. I have another set from a different source, too. And so what these things do is it has, um, so you look up a word, and the way this one is set up, you really sort of need to know your your Greek a little bit to be able to read it. There's other ones that if you just look up the English word, wow, this is a... Orge is the word I happen to come across. Oh, there's a good one. Ophthalmos. All right, here we go. Now, whoop, sorry for all that flipping. Ophthalmos. It means the apple of the eye. Then I, from Homer and whoever Hess is, mostly plural. The great significance of the eye as the main agent relating to man to his environment is variously reflected in sayings like, Elthane ex ophthalmos tenos in Homer. So anyway, so you get this thing. This one, obviously, you have to know a little bit of Greek. But once you get past that stuff, then it'll have a little article about it. So you can read this and have a, a whole article about that word. And katharao means to look down. There's a whole 
page on how they use that word. It'll be like how it's used in classical literature, how it's used in the Septuagint, that LXX thing there. We'll talk about that another time. But anyway, there are books that you can look up a word and it has an entire, it's not just a, like a lexicon or a dictionary, it's a book that has entire articles. Now, a lot of these things you can find online. And we'll talk more in detail about some of this stuff later. Now, this little thing here is an interesting deal. All right, so um, here's what I would suggest for, for your, let's see if I can get this. All right, the, my favorite thing, let's see, I'll go to my duck, duck, go, hit the little duck. Hit the numbers here. The y'all version. This is important. Come on. There it is. The y'all version.com. Now, what this does is it keeps the genius of the Southern English language. Do y'all know not that y'all are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in y'all? <laughs> I know it sounds funny, but because. It's the plural. So if you, if you look at the Greek, you would know. But in our English translation, it says, do you not know that you are the temple of God? Now, you might be led to believe he's talking about you, singular. But he's speaking to the church at Corinth, and he's talking to the church. Do you all not know that you all are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you all? You know, he's still talking to everybody. And sometimes that makes a big difference. And sometimes it's not such a big difference. But this is a really cool thing. So it's got, and this is in New American Standard. And it has this NET translation. And it's got Greek right here, too. Um, and it's got some cool other stuff on it too, but the pictures at different times. But the y'all version, highly recommend. Then you have um, BibleGateway.com, and what you want to do is click down this little thing here, and it will give you a list of all these different translations. And you want to go to Mount's Reverse Interlinear New Testament. See, we've already talked about that. So here's one online for free. In the beginning was the Word, John 1, 1, and the Word was God. And there's your Greek words. It's not written in Greek, written with English letters, N-R-K, Amy, Ha, Lagos, Kai, Ha, Lagos. Now let's see, can I click on that word, Lagos? There it is. That's how it looks in Greek. That's the strong definition, the Greek definition. A word, a thing uttered. And that tells you the different places in the Bible where you see them. Speech, language, converse, mere talk, wordy show. An expression, forms, words, message, um, and it goes on. Woo, a lot of stuff on the word logos, the word of God, especially in the gospel, um, the divine word or logos. And really, if you look up the word logos in one of these things, you'll see that it's a really big, um, important theological word. So anyway, that's one that you can kind of play with there. And then we go back here again. Another thing is... This thing called etymology. It's the it's an online etymology dictionary. I know, sounds like, but that's how you spell it. It's etymonline. Et, etymonline.com. You type in a word. I already typed in sanctification. And you hit the little thing here, and then you click on it, and you want to know about the background of a word. It means the act of fact or fact of being made holy. 1520 is where this word comes from. Now, the Bible was written a long time before that. From church Latin, sanctificationem, didn't take Latin. Noun of action from past particle stem, late Latin, sanctifere, to make holy, from sanctus, for holy, see saint. So when you see the word saint in the Bible, it actually means one of the holy ones. In Greek, it's hagias. So when we use the word saints in the Bible, it comes from that Latin. 
um, language. Why they put that in there, I guess it made sense to them back then. But um, yeah, so you have to know that we're called saints, which means we're the holy ones. If you're being sanctified, you're being holified. What's it mean? You're being made holy. And what does holy mean? Well, you can look that up too and, and learn all about what that means. It means to be set apart. And then let's see, the other thing that I use too, the two, um, I use this thing called um, Bible study here. I think it's actually called, I thought it was an and Bible, but I guess you look up Bible study and it has um, the different translations. You can click this little thing. It looks like the weird letters right there. And it puts all these numbers in between. And so if you want to do like the word hearts, you click on the number. And then down here it pops up and it says cardia, prolonged from the primary car from the Latin, hearts, uh, figure to lead of thoughts or feelings. Also, the mind. You can be brokenhearted, et cetera. And you can find all the occurrences. Where, occurrences. Look at all the places the word, that Greek word for heart is. And so, you know, that's kind of a, a cool thing. So, um, it says Bible study. I thought this was called the And Bible, but and it has different translations. You can do um, English, Greek, um, Hebrew, and have a Haitian translation here too. That's kind of cool. And then um, lots of different stuff. And then the other one I use, and this will be the last thing we look at, is um, this one. This is called, let me find where it, it's called the BLB, the Blue Letter Bible app. Um, and it's good online too. So you can pick whatever, you know, Old Testament, New Testament. You go to what book of the Bible, pick a chapter, and you go down. Um, be self controlled. So you can click it, you can go to an interlinear like we were doing. And what it'll do is it'll show you the Greek, and it shows you the English. And then down here it has all these words that are in this translation and what it means over here in the English. It tells you the part of speech it's in. And then you just click on one of those. And it gives you the, the biblical use of it. It tells you the different words it can be made up of. You can click on each of those. And um, it gives you a Strong's definition, and a Greek lexicon definition. You can get more tapping view on that. Um, concordance results, and it shows you everywhere the word is used in the Bible. So it's kind of a cool thing, too. Um, lots of other things you can do with it. You can click on it, and it pulls up translation comparisons. So there's like ESV, King James, New King James, New American Standard, and, and whatnot. So anyway, went a little longer than I typically do, but if you're interested in that kind of thing, it's interesting. Um, so a, a good thing to do, uh, if you don't care about all that Greek stuff, but you do care about doing some sort of a word study deal, just um, get two or three good translations of the Bible. My favorite personal ones are the ESV, English Standard Version, um, the NASB, the New American Standard Version, and then the New King James Version. You can get those three if you want to. Look at a verse and see how those three translations um, translate it differently because that'll give you a fuller nuance of what that Greek or Hebrew word means behind it because there's never typically there's there's rarely a word-for-word -word equivalence from one language to another so you might have to get you got to pick one you know or you pick two or three words to describe something but different translations may attempt to translate it differently to get you to the same meaning but 
you know, maybe if there's a word like heart, you know, are you talking about the heart in my chest? Or are you talking about, we use the word heart, though, the same way the Greeks did. But what if we didn't? So you'd have to come up with some other way of doing it. All right, there's enough of the time here. There's lots of things online that are available now that if you want to know more about the language behind your translation, because your translation does a great, I mean, it pulls it so you can give you your heart language and you can read this stuff in your own heart language, as Jars talks about. But it also, a little bit, can you're, you're reading, you get a little something in between you and the original language. So short of, of taking a class, learn how to do it, this is a good aids online to be able to do it. Okay, I would encourage it too. It's kind of fun. If, if you think, okay, I think it's fun. All right, God bless.